All right, so we're in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. The Word of God says here, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let's read that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I want to preach this morning about rejoicing in the Lord. I want to preach this morning about rejoicing in the Lord. So Paul tells us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. What does the word rejoice mean? Well, it's defined in Webster's 1828 Dictionary as to experience joy and gladness in a high degree. To be exhilarated with lively and pleasurable sensations. The act of rejoicing is the act of expressing joy and gladness. Guys, we as Christians should know this above anything else, that when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have something to rejoice about. It says rejoice not in anything but in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, not in worldly things, not in what you own or what's going on in life, but anything else you can think of, but sincerely rejoice in the Lord. And he says do it always, not just always. Like we'd say, he said always. Always like like at all times and in every kind of way. We should be rejoicing in the Lord. What makes this such an amazing scripture is this. When Paul wrote these verses, he wrote wrote these words encouraging people to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's sitting in prison. He hadn't just got a million dollar donation from one of his best members. Or he hadn't just had one of the greatest revivals he's ever been a part of. He hadn't just seen a thousand people walk down the aisle. No, Paul's in prison for nothing he did wrong. He's in prison just by simply preaching Jesus Christ, doing everything the Lord wants him to do. Now he's in prison, and he says to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. This whole letter of Philippians was written by Paul from prison. And in in this letter of Philippians, you're going to find joy mentioned six times and rejoice ten times. And when you study out this uh, book of Philippians, and we're going to go through it this morning, Paul has seven different things he rejoices about. And it's an amazing thing. Here's a man in prison. He's not just telling us to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He's going to talk about during this letter things he is rejoicing about. So if a man that's in prison, that's for nothing he did wrong, is in prison rejoicing, praising the Lord Jesus Christ, rejoicing in the Lord, we can really learn a lot from this great Christian of how we can rejoice and no matter what situation we're in. Let's look at this together at seven things Paul rejoiced over. There's seven things we're going to look at quickly this morning that Paul rejoiced over. And I think it's really interesting to look at this stuff. Look at verse 10. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. What he rejoiced about? That now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. They didn't have the opportunity to do everything they wanted to do for him, but he rejoiced that they cared for him. Guys, Paul rejoiced that other Christians cared for him. If there's anything you can rejoice about, Christian, this morning, especially if you're in this church, you can rejoice that other Christians care for each one of each other. They care for you. There's Christians that care for you. You're not go- whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone, Christian. There's other Christians that are praying for you. 
You heard Brother Ronnie and uh, you heard Brother Marwitz when they got up to pray. What was the, what was to, the, the theme of both their prayers was simply this. Not only that Jesus Christ would bless us and bless his service, but pray for our brothers and sisters that are down on the coast that are dealing with the flooding and deal, dealing with the hurricane. These brothers and sisters down in the Houston area and Corpus Christi, Port Lavaca, they don't realize there's brothers and sisters up here that care for them, that are praying for them. There's something to rejoice about. Christian, you have something to rejoice about this morning. There's people that love you. There's Christians that really, really love you. I, I work with a guy that he, he doesn't have anything to do with God. He's not saved. He's dealing with some uh, severe health issues. And I talked to him about the Lord, and, and he, he's dealing with going to take these radiation treatments and all the stuff he's dealing with. And I simply think to myself, if you were in a church, any kind of good church, any kind of good church, they would be taking care of you. They would be helping take you to radiation treatment. But this poor guy has no church home, no church friends, and nobody's there to help him. He has no friends to help him other than the few friends he's made at work. And he hasn't been at work for longer, maybe a year or so. And I'm thinking, this guy's in his 60s and he has nobody to take care of him. And I'm thinking, if I was to sneeze, there's Christians that would run to give me a Kleenex. Amen. Amen. You too. Not just me, do you too. There's guys that, uh, uh, Sister Carolyn last Wednesday, way before I thought about preaching this message, she, has, she goes out there, she has a flat, there's three or four men digging around under her car trying to get everything fixed. We're trying to figure out how to fix it. She probably knows how to get it fixed before we did. <laughs> but we're there to help her. In other words, that's what the Christian body is about. The Church of Christ, the, the, the Christian body of the Church of Christ, that's what it's about. It's about Christians helping each other. I heard a great testimony from a lost man. I'm not sure if he was lost or saved, but he said, you know, I, he didn't go to church or anything, but he said, when my mom passed away, the ladies of her Sunday school, they came to the house and they brought us food and they brought it. He goes, that's what it's all about. It, made a, it was a testimony to them that, that, his, that her loved ones cared about her and her family when she, when she passed away. That's what Paul's rejoicing about. If you have anything this morning to rejoice about, you should be rejoicing that people, Christians, they care for you. Amen. Now let's come back to chapter 1. Let's look at another one of these. Let's look at the second one. Let's turn back to chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 14. Let's move on and look at another one of these. Chapter 1, verse 14. So Paul's speaking here again, and he says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's been thrown in prison, and he says that there's brothers in Christ that now that I'm in prison... They're no longer afraid. They're actually more bold about it. Because they see Paul's being done wrong. He's thrown in prison. It gives them boldness to say, hey, that's not right. And they get them to start preaching it too. Now listen, guys. What American Christians need above all else is we need persecution. We need persecution in America. If Americans were, the American Christians were persecuted, like our Chinese brethren and uh, brethren over there in the, in the Middle East, if we were persecuted like them, this church would be full. Yeah. Yeah. All it would take is for the American government to come up and say, you're not allowed to go to church anymore. If the government was to make a law where you couldn't go to church, this church would be full. I guarantee you. Yeah. It, it gets people stirred up to see when they know what's right and they see it's not being done right, they want to make it. But we're so lax. They're not being, we're not persecuted in any way like that. So that's what's wrong. And Paul says, and many of the brethren... And the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So much, so, excuse me, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. 
The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. There's some people saying, see, that's what you get, Paul, for preaching Jesus Christ and preaching that you're saved by grace. That's what you get for being in prison, preaching about Jesus Christ. And there's some brothers that are, there's some people that are Christians saying, man, he, he's preaching, he's in jail, I'm going to get up and preach too. That's not right, I'm going to make a stand just like Paul made a stand. In other words, Paul's showing me the way. And he's saying there's two sets of people that are like that. Some are sincere, some don't know it. They're both preaching the gospel. If you're talking about the gospel, you're preaching the gospel. You might not realize. Even if you're talking bad about it, you're talking about Jesus Christ. And that's the point he's about to make. Look at verse 18. What then? Question mark. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I will therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Amen. He says, you know what? Jesus Christ is being preached if they're talking bad about me, if they're talking good about me. But the good thing about it, what I'm rejoicing about, Paul says, I'm rejoicing that Jesus Christ is simply being preached. I think Paul had the attitude that any publicity is good publicity. He had that attitude about Jesus Christ. Talk good about him, talk bad about him, just talk about him. That's what some advertisers believe. That's what some people think happened with Trump. People can't believe that Trump got into office. Well, because you kept talking about him night and day. That's the best publicity he ever got. They stopped talking about Hillary because all they could do is talk about Trump. And then they wonder why he got voted in. Well, you were talking about, you are giving him all this free publicity. And there's people that, and I guess Paul's one of them, and maybe he's right, amen, that any publicity is good publicity. That's the way they believe it. And Paul says, hey, if you're preaching it by pretense or you're in truth... At least Christ is being preached. And praise the Lord, rejoice for that. We drive by some churches on the way here to Indian Gap Baptist Church. And, I, and you can trust, ask my wife. I can tell you everything's wrong with that church and everything's wrong with this church and what they're not doing right. And I'm real bad about that. But what I need to realize, and maybe some of us, uh, some of y'all too, is their doctrine might not be right. But at least they're preaching Jesus Christ. I should be rejoicing about that. Sometimes we get caught up into that. that we get caught up in like, well, the doctrine's not right, and they're not doing this right. And yeah, that some, a lot of that's true. But we need to back off and say, let God judge them. Praise the Lord, they're preaching Jesus Christ. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. And that's why Paul's saying, hey, even if they're preaching it wrong sometimes, at least they're preaching Jesus Christ. If it's Jesus Christ and not a false Jesus But that was the thing that Paul rejoiced about, is that he was preaching Jesus Christ. Now look at chapter 2. Let's go on to the next one. Chapter 2, verse 15. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. So Paul rejoiced over Christians caring for him. Paul rejoiced that Jesus Christ was simply just being preached. You know, if you come up to this church, and I know it's happened a lot, God forbid, but sometimes we get in here and there's, there's not good preaching. It's not a very good preacher. The preacher's not doing it. Maybe I'm not doing a good job. But at least you can sit in the pew and rejoice that at least he's preaching Jesus Christ. (laughs) Praise the Lord. At least Jesus Christ is being preached. That's something to rejoice about. Because there's coming a time in America that Jesus is not going to be allowed to be preached. We better be rejoicing right now that he is preached. Look at verse 15. Well, verse 14 to get the context. 
Do all things without murmuring, murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Now let me ask you something. Is this a perverse and crooked generation? <laughs> Amen, it is. I want to point out something else to you. You know what the homosexuals say? That when, when you're not gay, you know what they say you are? They say you're straight. Don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. I've even seen a bumper sticker on the back of this lesbian's car that said, I'm so gay I can't even drive straight. That's what she had on the back of her car, bumper sticker. What's the opposite of straight? Crooked. Are you living in a crooked and perverse nation? I think we are. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, God says He's going to judge people out of their own mouth. They don't even realize what's coming, do they? Among whom ye shine, look, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So He's saying you're, you're harmless, you're blameless, you're living in a crooked and perverse nation, and since you're doing that, you're like lights shining in a dark world. Verse 16, he says, holding forth the word of life. What's the word of life? This book is the word of life. This is the word of life. You're holding this. This is the words of life right here. So you got a people that's blameless and harmless. And their light's shining in a dark world. They're holding up the word of God. Paul says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul rejoiced that there's people that still lived a godly life, shine like lights in a dark world, and were holding up the Bible as a word of truth. He rejoiced over that. Christian, don't be like Elijah and think you're the only one left. And in, we, as Indian got, oh, we're the only church left that's doing it right. No, 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 no. Listen. This world is full of millions of Christians that are living a harmless, blameless life, that are light shining in a dark world, that are holding up this word of truth as a life. There's plenty of us out there, and we should be rejoicing about that. See, if you you don't believe me and and you think that I'm lying to you, it's because you've been watching too much of the news and the media, and you're, you're watching too much TV. Because why? Because TV doesn't show you one person going to church. TV doesn't show you one good Christian example. Not one. So if you watch that for hours and hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and years and years, you start believing there are no Christians, there is no church, there's nobody. No, that's a lie. There's plenty of Christians that love the Lord. There's plenty of Christians that are living a clean, godly life that love the Lord Jesus Christ, that are lights shining in a dark world, just like Paul said here, and that hold up the word of truth as God's word. And you should be rejoicing over that. Man, did we not read in Revelation, there's a great multitude up in heaven. A great multitude. Not just a few of us. There's a great multitude of Christians going to be up in heaven. Praise the Lord for that. Man, there's lots of rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not in this alone, guys. Not only that, there's people preaching Jesus Christ. If they're doing it right, if they're doing it wrong, at least our Lord and Savior is being preached. Preach and rejoice that other Christians care for you. There's a great multitude of Christians that care for you. Man, we were at this, last night we were at this, uh, I, I would call it a concert, 
But they had this kid that come up there and they said this kid was from South Carolina, I think South Carolina, and he was battling cancer. And they brought him up on stage and they, the, they wanted this entertainer, Donnie Edwards, they wanted him to give him some attention and hug on him and love on him and everybody was clapping and this place was packed. So they brought that kid back down and they said, Donnie said, I hope you're here next year when I come back through, I want to see you here. And they brought that kid back down and before long, it wasn't very long, this, this, this man came up, gray-headed man, he came up and he handed Donnie an envelope and lifted up this envelope and he said, it's a thousand dollar check for this kid. And he went and handed that $1,000 check to that kid. And that man went back and sat down in a seat. And in my mind, I thought, that's a Christian. I guarantee you guys, you can beat me with me. I guarantee you that was a Christian that gave that $1,000 check. I know it. Why? Because I I can see when God's spirit's moving. I can see when God's people's doing stuff. You know, brother, this, and I, I hate to call people out, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but people, they, they don't want to have anything to go, do with going to church. They don't want to have anything. But then their house burns down, or they have some kind of problems in their family or whatever, and what do they do? They want the churches to come help them. Because they know we will. Because they should be rejoicing that there's churches in the community. Man, there's a church on every corner. There's a, those Bible thumpers. Oh, you like us when you need some help. When your old grandpa kicks a bucket, you, hadn't been, you want to come here and want me to preach his funeral. You want to use my church to hold your, your wedding. You want to use my church to hold whatever you're doing. You want to use my church and use my people to, to do your little things you do. You better be rejoicing that there's people here that keep this church open. Man, you know, they'll come in once every three years into this church. Well, every three, Once every three years, there'll be somebody coming through here and, well, I haven't been to church in a long time. I almost felt like saying, yeah, we shut this thing down for about two years. We just showed up this Sunday. <laughs> they know we're here. Amen. They know we're faithful. They know somebody's pulling their money out of their wallet and paying for these lights and paying for the air conditioners and paying for the carpet and keeping these doors open so they can come in once every two years or on Christmas or once on Easter. Rejoice that there's Christians that still keep the faith. Amen. Praise the Lord, man. And there's a lot of us out there. And the world wants you to be convinced that there's nobody left. There's a lot of us left. And Paul rejoiced over that. He rejoiced over that. And we should be rejoicing too. He said, rejoice holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. There's going to come a time when Paul stands before Jesus Christ and he's going to rejoice and say, Lord, they did a good job. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I can't wait to get to heaven and we be up in heaven and see Jesus Christ and Jesus said, look at what all that person did. We'll be rejoicing in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17. Paul said, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. What did Paul just say there in verse 17 and 18? Paul just said he rejoiced that people were willing to die for the cause of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for Jesus Christ. And I rejoice, and he said there in verse 18, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Guys, we should be rejoicing that there's people that are willing to sacrifice their life for Jesus Christ. There's, been, there's men and women willing to stand behind the pulpit. There's men and women coming in here that's 
vacuuming the, the carpet, that's mowing the grass, that's willing to sacrifice their time, painting the church, willing to sacrifice their time for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's something to rejoice about that. That's one of the things Walter was talking about. He said, man, I'm up there and I had to mow, I had to, I had to, I had to sweep, I had to vacuum, I had to open the church, close the church, and he's naming off about a hundred things. And in my mind, I'm thinking... Thank you, Brother Gary. Thank you, Brother Ronnie. Thank you, Sister Patsy. Thank you, Sister Linda. Thank you, Sister Carol. I'm thinking of all these people I'm thanking because they do a lot for me here at the church. Even my wife, who was gone for one week, that wasn't for here. She was not here for one service. Patsy was laughing and making fun of me because I was having to go and turn all this stuff off that my wife usually did for me. She goes, you missing her? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm missing her. I rejoice that there's people that are willing to sacrifice their time for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that wall right there, guys. We should be rejoicing. There's young men and women that are willing to, re- they're willing to sacrifice their life to go to a foreign land for the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in that, that. Hey, you're not... Man, there's people sacrificing daily for the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be rejoicing in that. In the Lord, rejoicing. Praise the Lord for that. Look at verse 25, same chapter, chapter 2. Here's the fifth one. Verse 25. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. See, Brother Alvin, I don't know. <laughs> Epaphroditus. I'm going to call this guy's name Epaphroditus. I actually looked it up. Epaphroditus. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. So this brother had been doing a lot of work for the church, doing a lot of work for Paul. He became sick, real sick. Verse 27, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. He almost died he was so sick. I thought Paul was healing people up. I thought Paul was slapping them on their head. I thought he had this healing, but the healing was going away, guys. The sign of healing was going away at this time. That was a sign for the Jews, and that sign was leaving them. For indeed he was sick nigh to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. He said, I'm not only praising the Lord that God healed him up, but he healed him up for me too, because I would have been so sad if he would have left us. I needed him, I wanted him, I loved him, Paul's saying there in verse 27. But look at verse 28. I send him, therefore, the more carefully, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Paul rejoiced that Christians were getting healed by God. Guys, we get that prayer list going in here, and there's people getting healed. Not everybody, amen, but there's people that have prayers answered. Brother Jim Matter, you know, he, he had some prayers answered where it wasn't as bad as the doctor thought it was going to be. The doctor said, hey, looks like things are looking a little better. That's something to rejoice about. Man, we, 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 we ask God to heal. We ask God to, we put these people on the list and praise the Lord. We try to do the best of our ability to pray over this list over the week. And then we get back in here on Wednesday night and somebody says, yeah, they're doing a lot better. And we just kind of, okay. And we go on to, no, not okay. Rejoice. <laughs> praise the Lord. He, listen, God doesn't have to do a stinking thing for us. He doesn't have to give us a health to get up in the morning. He doesn't have to give us a stinking thing. But he does. And I rejoice in the Lord that he loves me enough to put up with all my sin, put up with all my wickedness, and still say, okay, I'm still going to bless you. You can get up another day. Paul rejoiced that Christians were getting healed. And 
We should be able to rejoice when they don't get healed. Amen. What do you mean, Brother Keegan? If that Christian, and I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about a lost man or woman, but when a Christian, a dear, beloved Christian, when they go on to be with the Lord, they pass away, we should rejoice because they're in a lot better place. <laughs> man, they got lucky. They're out of here, man. <laughs> They're up there with the rest of the family. They're up there with Jesus Christ. They're up the streets of gold. All the, and we're down here paying taxes. Dealing with Obama. Dealing with Trump. Dealing with all the nonsense we deal with on a daily, the media, the world. They're the lucky ones. And we cry with them, oh, that's such a sad thing. And they're up in heaven saying, it's such a good thing. Rejoice in the Lord when he heals you. Rejoice in the Lord when he doesn't. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. It's hard to do. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. What he's basically saying there is, you need to rejoice in the Lord. And it's not, I'm having to write it over and over again, and it's not grievous for me to write it to, but it's safe for you to hear it. In other words, he's rejoicing that it's safe to rejoice. Amen. Let me describe it like this to you. Do you realize that rejoicing is one of the few things you can do in life that's not wrong to do at any time, anywhere? <laughs> There's some things that are right to do at the wrong time. You can do the right thing at the wrong time. That's what Satan tried to do with Jesus. Listen, rejoicing is right. Rejoicing in the Lord is right no matter what time of day, no matter what. It's, re- it's safe to do. And he rejoiced that it's safe to do. And you need to be rejoicing in the Lord. And it's a safe thing to do. Now look at verse 2. Let's move on to the last one. Beware of dogs. Well, those old dogs again. Nothing good about a dog in the Bible. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. That concision is the Jewish circumcised Jews. Of course, if you're a Jew, you were circumcised. That wanted you to keep the law. They call them the concision. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision. That's the Jew that's living right. That's the Jew that's that's the Jew like Paul that believed in Jesus Christ. We are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. We don't worship God in rituals. We don't worship God in uh, ceremonies. We don't worship God like it's got to be a building. We worship God in the spirit. Right here, right there. You worship him in your spirit. We worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Why? And have no confidence in the flesh. <laughs> oh, this is the best one and it's the last one. This is the best one and it's the last one. We should be rejoicing that it's all about Jesus Christ and it's not about us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that. We rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. Praise the Lord. Uh, sister, sister, what was that, Martin? Sister Martin, what's the, the bumper sticker say on the back of your car? It's not about you. It's all about Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? That's a that's a great bumper sticker. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Billy Graham or Doctor Ruckman or you can think of Robert. You think of any great. It's not about any great Christian. It's not about Paul. Who wrote thirteen books in the New Testament. It's not about him. It's all about Jesus Christ. And we have no confidence in the flesh. When something goes wrong in people's lives, the world turns and says, well, it must be their fault. My mommy and daddy, they spanked my rear end when I was little, and it made me do these bad, awful things. 
They didn't give me enough money. They mistreated me. They, they, didn't, they didn't approve of my lifestyle. Uh, I, I, they thought I was the wrong color. It's all their fault. They're, 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 and a good Christian, a good Christian, when something goes wrong in their life, they say, yeah, yeah, it's me. It's me. Because I know me. And what dwelleth in me, that's in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's what Paul said. See, it's not about us. We have no confidence in the flesh. We know that if you let us do something, we'll do it wrong. If you let us get around money, we'll probably end up stealing it or misspending it. Or we'll do, you can't trust us. But let me tell you something. You can trust Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, we rejoice and we say, we say simply this. We have no confidence in the flesh, but we have all the confidence in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I rejoice in that. And the reason why Brother Keegan rejoices in that is because Brother Keegan knows Brother Keegan all too well. Man, I, I know me. And if the Lord said, okay, Keegan, this is what you got to do to get saved, I know Brother Keegan would go straight to hell like a bullet. Because if he said, okay, Keegan, I need you to go to church this time. I need you to feed this many poor. I wouldn't do it. And even if I was doing it, I'd be doing it the wrong way. With the wrong attitude. See, people say, well, if you just go to church, you can get saved. No, but see, you got to understand, every time I go to church, don't mean I'm ready to go to church. You think I come in this church always with the right attitude? I'm the preacher and I don't. So don't come lying to me. Guys. We rejoice not in us. I have no confidence in us. I rejoice that it's not about me. Oh, it's about Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. It's never going to be about me. It's never about me. It's not going to be about me when I get to heaven. It's all about Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord for that. And that should be enough to rejoice for the rest of your life. People disappoint you. They do. Circumstances change. You might not be able to rejoice in everything that happens to you. Right? I didn't see Carolyn out there when she had that flat tire. Just, oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a flat tire. You know, I think she was crazy. I think those people are crazy that say that. I've heard people doing that. Be out there at the work site. And I've worked with a bunch of Christians. Bam, that guy hits his thumb with, with a hammer. And he's like, oh, praise God. I hit my thumb. I thought, you're an idiot. Praise God. And I said, why are you praising God? He goes, well, because I was about to say a cuss word, so I yelled, praise God. I'm like, well, okay, that, that makes a little bit of sense. You can't always praise God with every situation, but you can always rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Always. Always rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. 
Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.